0: Time once again for the Bama Online Podcast. It is a Tuesday, June the 13th, 2023. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, this time alongside Senior Writer Charlie Potter of the Bama Online staff. And Charlie, here we go, man. We're two weeks into the migration to the On3 network. Give us uh, some quick thoughts on how this, this transition has gone for yourself.
1: Yeah, well, first things first. You mentioned that new title. I probably have you to thank for that. would you, well, I mean, we've it? been
0: calling you that yeah. for a couple of years now, right?
1: <laughs> it's a, it's official now. It's at least, that's what my title is. So, uh, I guess I owe you thanks for that. But no, it's it's been good. Um, you know, I mean, well, you and I work together really well, and uh, of course, Tim. But, um, you know, working with with Andrew Bone and Joseph Hastings and Clint and Jimmy, it's been it's been really easy. And, um, you know, uh, Shannon tweeted it this morning, we're in the top 10 now in terms of um, subscriber size. And that's that's great. I think we're going to continue to climb and. It's been good to see a lot of familiar names, people jumping on board, and then you know, people giving us a shot in general. So um, it's been exciting. Uh, it takes some adjustment, like anything, but I think I'm getting the hang of, of everything and uh, looking forward to – to a season because you know these recruiting guys have a lot to to write about. We're we're kind of making stuff up at this point. That's uh, kind of how June goes. But uh, looking forward to to next month with SEC media days, and we'll really have our sea legs under us then. So it should be it should be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, it's kind of list season, right? For team guys like yourself and me and Clint and Jimmy, but for sure Joseph and Andrew and Tim Watts. Uh, The month of June, it's all happening, not just in terms of grassroots recruiting with 24s and 25s from the high school ranks, but you always have that eye on the transfer portal. So many different talent streams now that these schools, these programs have to consider uh, that it literally is a year-round process, and I echo your sentiments. It's been outstanding, I think, these first couple weeks with ON3, and it's only going to get better, and by the way, we've got that. $1 for 6 months special right now at bamaonline.com so no better time to jump on because you've got all this recruiting action you're going to get into fall camp we're going to take you through the season so for that buck you're going to get everything really through December if you sign up right now you got fathers day coming up by the way also so i think dad i think a lot of dads would enjoy that subscription to dot online.com charlie last time we got together here on the podcast by the way you were set to make the trip to epcot uh <laughs> I, I understand that maybe you were gonna attempt to do some of the beers of the world did you check off any new boxes in that regard on that trip
1: uh we did a lot of new stuff um you know i, I didn't get too crazy uh it was it was really hot and with that you know water became the priority and i think that's I think that's the mistake a lot of people make is to not stay hydrated down there in, in the in Orlando. But no, we I mean we got to experience the new ride. We we did a, a tour, like a you pay a little extra to do a VIP tour. We did that at the land pavilion and uh but we, we drank plenty Can't hide um, that V O L money. Can't no, hide it. <laughs> yeah. But um you know I I'm uh I'm more of just like a grab a cold beer guy. Um, you know, the, the wife had a couple uh, drinks. Uh, I think we had um, like a like a dragon fruit drink that was really good. Yeah. I don't remember what uh-huh. pavilion it was in, but I'm more of get me to Mexico and Germany. and <laughs> I'm set. So and then the. Cerveza. The thing, yeah, yeah, the good thing is those are like the first couple of pavilions. And at that point, you just you just walk around having a good time.
0: Yeah, I bet, man. That sounds like a good time, and we made the trip up to Chicago over the weekend for a quick trip. Checked out Dead & Company, John Mayer. You a John Mayer guy? I don't know if we've ever discussed John Mayer here on the pod.
1: Uh, I don't mind him. Uh, we have discussed yeah. Taylor Swift on this pod, so I'm, I know where I think he's kind by... of the male
0: Taylor Swift, isn't
1: yeah, he? Yeah, well, that's well, um, like they're their exes and if you mentioned yeah. john mayer around the swifty then it's like you mentioned you know it's like Christian yeah you blood. get you That's get looked at sideways <laughs> yeah. Yeah. now i mean i will say this like i'm not i'm not a huge fan uh i, I like his stuff but he's one hell of a guitar player and i respect Oof. that so
0: um that sounds like a good show he tore it down saturday night at wrigley field and really they played two nights at wrigley i've been to stadium concerts charlie mm-hmm. I've never seen more people outside a venue looking for tickets than I saw Saturday night at Wrigley Field. And, And it was just, the demand was incredible. And from what I understood, it was the same way Friday night. And what happened was they were so good Friday night, people that weren't planning to go Saturday night tried to come back down Saturday night to go again. And that just doubled the demand for Saturday night. But yeah, it was a lot of fun, had great weather. Chicago's wild, man, even in June, because, um, Saturday was summer in Chicago. It got up to about 85. It was perfect Saturday night at Wrigley. And then um Sunday was straight fall. We went to a White Sox game. It was it didn't get above 60 degrees. The wind was blowing 15 to 20. Wow. So you had to pack for two trips in June. Uh Friday, when we got there, it was pretty much spring. It was a high in 70-ish or so. So it was three seasons in three <laughs> days in Chicago. Illinois, but I'm I'm with you. You know, the daughter, the youngest daughter, 21 years old. So yeah, I, I can tell you she loves John Mayer. But you know, I was a little bit leery because I I went to Dead show starting in '93. You know, back when I was a student at UA uh, when the the Telegraph first came out, and um, yeah, it was a little bit of a ah, John Mayer with the Dead. But you said it, and not just the guitar playing, the 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 vocals he does on. A lot of the Jerry songs and, and but the takeouts with the guitar. Yeah. He is incendiary, I guess is incendiary is the, the way to describe. Uh, and it's kind of a shame because it felt like and it feels like the six, seven, whatever you run with Dead and Company, he is very much in the pocket now. And as a group, they're very much in the pocket. And this is it. You yeah, know, they're wrapping it up. After this tour, but a good trip. A lot going on, man, over the weekend as we shift back to <laughs> Alabama athletics. And, wow, where do we start? I guess we'll start with the baseball program because a couple different things going on. Uh, super regional at Wake Forest, certainly not the ending uh, that Alabama fans wanted to see for that Alabama baseball team. Tight game in game one, not without controversy or the umpiring is concerned. And then just the ballpark and the conditions and all the home runs in the two games, but Alabama drops a close one in game one and then Wake really flexed its muscles in game two with a route of the Crimson Tide to Alabama and Alabama's just sort of bizarre, amazing pick an adjective to describe this 2023 team and it likely fits. So Charlie, kind of as a postmortem, uh, talk about the weekend that was and and just, the ground that this team covered, it seemed like it was two or three seasons in one for this team.
1: It really did. And um, you know, heading into Supers, they were on fire what they won thirteen of the last seventeen. And that's not against Scrubs. You know, it's against SEC competition teams that were, you know, playing in the postseason. So a really impressive end to the to the year and and you know, they're showing in Hoover and then what they did in the Tuscaloosa regional. And um you mentioned it, though. I mean, looking back with hindsight being what it is, you know, that first one hurts a little more uh, because you could have maybe gotten to, to Monday to to force a game three because, yeah, Sunday was Sunday was rough. And, you know, they they send Jacob McNary to the mound. You feel pretty good about that with the way he's played of late. But, you know, it wakes in them one team for a reason. And those those bats of theirs are really good. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a tough way to to end what was a really magical run to the end of the season. I don't think it takes anything away. I mean, I think this team, um, you know, given what happened, you know, it, it overachieved, but it, it showed, uh, a lot about these kids, a lot about the program, heck a lot about Jason Jackson. And, um, you know, I know we'll get into that a little bit more, but happy to see him stick around and he'll still be a part of the program. But yeah, it's, um, it's just, I think going into it, um, you kind of saw it from both sides to where Wake was probably a little pissed that they were playing Alabama because Alabama was probably playing, um, you know, a little under I think. And then uh, for Alabama, you're going into the number one team in the country, their ballpark, um, and having been, you know, the way the season ended, thinking maybe you could have been a couple spots higher and maybe, you know, getting a trip to Omaha. So it's a tough end the season, but, again, it doesn't take anything away from what this team was able to do, Yes, yeah, since Brad
0: Bunham was fired. No doubt about it. And I think you you hit on a lot of it from the weekend. Uh, Wake, very good. No denying that. I did like the move to uh, McNary jumping up into that game two slot Yeah, with the game, with the season on the line. Now, obviously, if you win one of the first two, uh, you'd love to have had McNary on the bump with the ball in his hand in a deciding game on Monday. It didn't work out that way, so... Wake advances, three SEC teams advanced to the College World Series. I believe it is Florida, Tennessee late last night on Monday night, uh, and also LSU in a super regional win over Kentucky. So nearly half the CWS field once again <laughs> going to have SEC affiliation. Two of those teams, uh, well, one of them an SEC team. I will be interested with wake from this perspective and not that they just are a home run hitting team but we saw this previously with tennessee in the ballpark that the balls play in in knoxville and then how does that translate to the ballpark in omaha where home runs aren't as easy to come by that's what i'll be interested in coming up here in omaha uh with wake and also with tennessee going back charlie
1: yeah no doubt i mean it's uh you know, just hearing from Jason Jackson and the players before they made the trip up to Winston-Salem. You know they talked about the pitching staff. they talked about um, you know how impressive they were given the ballpark they played in. So I think seeing how that translates uh, will be interesting, no doubt. it'll be an interesting field because like you said, a lot of familiarity with the SEC teams you know, going to Omaha and uh, love to see that, um, that shot challenge back at the bar where they have the dry race board to see what teams <laughs> out drink the other. That's always, and you know, now, you know, they probably are both happy and concerned. The LSU made the CWS because those, those tiger fans are certainly known to be able to, to buy a bar.
0: out. No doubt. It's like Kentucky and basketball, right? When, when LSU makes, makes it to Omaha. That, it's going to be an interesting. First round game too. You got LSU and Tennessee on Saturday night, right out the gate. So, uh, Should be a lot of fun out there. As it is, Alabama moves quickly. This seemed to be the sentiment on the heels of the finish to the season. Given the timeline that Greg Byrne and the administration had to work with, with Brad Bohannon being jettisoned in late April, really had the month of May into June to sort of vet and check in on candidates and sort of formulate a priority of candidates and a list and that sort of stuff and so it was Charlie but he learned quickly that the successor to Brad Bohannon Rob Vaughn Maryland head coach two-time Big Ten coach of the year back-to-back Big Ten titles for the Terps including a tournament title Charlie boy it didn't take long for Rob Vaughn to take his place
1: it didn't, and uh, I will give um, credit where credit's due. I think Tony Sakalis actually was on this um, beforehand, and that's impressive given how stealthily Greg Byrne moves. You know, that ninja moniker, I think he's really proud of. So uh, I think, though, given this situation with you know Brad Bohannon being dismissed mid-season, is a little different. And uh, no, but it moved quickly. I think the team got back to Tuscaloosa 12:30, maybe a little after. And at three, they had a team meeting, which is where he was introduced. And heck, before that even happened, um, my man had changed his Twitter profile to, um, you know, the graphic that Alabama sent out and, and to have University of Alabama head coach. So um, it did move pretty quickly. But I think that's important uh, because you're not only do you have your head coach in place, but you also announced that you're retaining Jason Jackson as your associate head coach, because we know uh, this transfer portal error. Um, it's, a, it's a situation where not only do you have to um, you go out and fill out your roster for next year, but you got to keep the kids that you have on your roster on your roster. You have to re-recruit them almost. So to have a guy that they're familiar with, with Jason Jackson, stay in the fold, I think is big. It's big for the guys on the roster. It's big for the guys in the upcoming recruiting class who Jason Jackson helped recruit. So I think that just from a roster management standpoint, um, to get this done that quickly and to you know let these guys know hey you know JJ is going to stick around I think is is really significant for Alabama because they're going to have guys leave you know every program does um, you know Nick Saban Nato's they deal with this heck we saw in softball Oklahoma's losing a top player to the transfer portal so um, you know nobody's immune to it there's going to be guys that hit the portal look elsewhere um, you know they're going to have to deal with the draft with players on this current roster and guys that have signed. But I think to be able to not only hire a quality head coach who's won uh, a lot of games and has you know, built a program that was not so great or helped build it at least um, and then to retain a guy that they're familiar with, I think that's, that's significant for this baseball program.
0: No doubt about it. I think in the grand scheme of things, um, a best-of-all-world sort of transaction that went down on Monday with Vaughn being hired, accomplished as a Power 5 head coach. Uh, Certainly, the Big Ten isn't going to be confused for the SEC when it comes to baseball prowess, but uh, considered to be a rising star in the ranks. And then you maintain that connection to Jason Jackson as associate head coach. And, you know, you said it, uh, Transfer Portal era, no team in any sport is safe i mean when you've got oklahoma softball winners of three straight women's college world series losing their ace pitcher Jordy ball to the transfer portal uh, i think that kind of speaks to the era we're in with college athletics and student athletes moving around so you kind of touched on this roster retention recruiting transfer portal you know just from the senior day activities we know that Jim Jarvis, Andrew Pinkney, Tommy Seidel, Dom Thomas, Ed Johnson, Will Amateur, Garrett McMillan, Antoine John. Um, these are guys that that took part in that situation. I guess Drew Williamson. He's expired too, right? In terms of eligibility, I would think. But um, so where does it? I guess he maybe could have a six year. Who knows anymore with the COVID rule? But <laughs> so where? I mean, this is where it's at, though. First and foremost, is is where does this roster go from here?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, with any new head coach, that's a, a big one. But you're right. It, it is tough to as a as a reporter or someone keeping track with this roster, you have to kind of go back and and look and be like, OK, th- does this guy have an extra year of eligibility? Um, and I think a lot of them do. But, um, you know, a lot of the guys that you mentioned, they're a big reason for this team's success this year. So, you know, they their stock is really high they've been in the program or some of them have played a lot of baseball elsewhere before coming into the program so you know for those for guys like that um you know the draft makes a lot of sense like andrew pinkney i mean he had a hell of an end to the season and uh i'm sure a lot of teams would love to pick him when the draft rolls around but you know you you can see what those guys want to do kick the tires on a lot of those guys coming back and we'll see what happens there but yeah roster management man it's um It's a 24-7, 365 business, and um, I do think, though, you're seeing how this shakes out with, you know, what guys choose to do, whether they choose to enter the portal, come back, turn pro. It's going to be really interesting, and uh, I'm sure that, um, you know, Rob Vaughn and Jason Jackson, they've already had a lot of conversation with the guys. I'm sure that will continue over the coming days, today included. Uh, He has a press conference this afternoon, and we'll be there to to cover that, but I'm sure, you know, in between his media obligations – talking with these guys and seeing what they're wanting to do and, and where they fit in will be you know, at the top of his to-do list.
0: Absolutely. And we've got some, we've got some football talk coming up by the way, if you're wondering, so don't worry your little heads about that. We're going to get into some running back discussion coming up in just a little bit, but more big news coming out on social media Monday as it relates to the Alabama men's basketball program. Charlie is uh the expectation, anyway, is, is now that uh, Grant Nelson, the 6'11 forward from North Dakota State via the transfer portal, is expected to join the Crimson Tide. There was a sort of whirlwind of events there on <laughs> social media, uh, but as we sit here on Tuesday around mid-morning, I guess that is still the expectation that uh, with Charles Bediaco moving on, with Noah uh, Clowney moving on, um, this would be a huge, and that's understating it, a huge pickup for Alabama in the front court.
1: No, it, it certainly would be. And, you know, I think he's he's top 10 and on three's transfer portal rankings, he's number six overall. He's actually one spot behind Aaron Estrada, the guards who committed to Alabama you know, earlier this year. But yeah, you mentioned it big, emphasis on big. He's 6'11, 235 pounds. Um, with the guys they have leaving that front court is just, it, 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 makes all the sense in the world. It's a need position. And, um, you know, he's, he's a hell of a player, you know, average almost 18 points a game, almost 10 rebounds a game. Um, you know, he, he looks like he was made to play in this NATO system. And, uh, I think it would be a huge gift for Alabama and, you know, it, it isn't official yet. He hasn't announced anything, but I think they feel good about where things stand. Um, yeah, very interesting, uh, afternoon yesterday because we dealt with the baseball news and then right after that kind of dropped, here comes this. And a lot of people are, you see on social media running with the fact, oh, he's committed, he's committed, but you know, nothing yet from, from Grant and his camp. You know, we're still waiting on that. But again, I think Alabama feels good about it and, um, it's, it would be a very significant pick up. You don't like to really hinge the success of a team on one addition, but if they were to get Grant Nelson, then, you know, NATO's club becomes a, you know, top 15 program going into the season, no doubt.
0: No doubt. This is a fun, that's the word that comes to mind for me watching uh, Grant Nelson. He's a fun guy to watch. It's 6'11", can run the four, finish on the break. He will dunk on you, by the way, and uh, can shoot the three. didn't shoot it as Proficiently last season as he did Maybe his first couple of years With the Bison, but has that Ability to face up the bucket Can post up uh, Obviously can give you a rebounding presence That you need, uh, averaging Nearly a double-double last season Up at NDSU, now Look, I still don't think they're going to have The rim protection sort of Presence that they had with Charles Bediaco But Pringle can do some of that You know Um, Pringle kind of reminds me of Kamwa previously of Tennessee, who transferred out, I believe, to Michigan during this offseason. So, and it also was an interesting situation, or is an interesting situation, because you've got Eric Musselman and Nate Oates, Arkansas and Alabama. And it just feels like, man, between on the court and where you see these teams on the recruiting trail, both grassroots and in the portal, you know what Arkansas kind of feels like to me right now? for Alabama and basketball kind of feels like what LSU is to Alabama and football, right? I mean, Auburn and Tennessee, y- you're still going to have for Alabama. And, and those are two really, really good programs with Rick Barnes, uh, of course at Tennessee and uh, Bruce Pearl at Auburn. But this Arkansas situation, I think could continue to get interesting where Alabama's concerned.
1: No, I think that's a good analogy because, you know, there is that kind of, rivalry there but then also just how often they kind of bump heads on the recruiting trail and uh, you know this is the the latest iteration of that and you know it it's a situation where um, I think both make sense for for Grant Nelson now it's it's unbelievable to me that Arkansas even has spots available with how many guys (laughs) they offered in the portal but um, I do Uh, think though that you know you look at what Alabama has roster wise and what they do from a system standpoint, it makes all the sense in the world, uh, for Grant Nelson, just from a fit. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, again, I think Alabama feels good about where they stand, but it's recruiting. You never know what can happen, but it is, you know, you, you do wonder with that coming out yesterday, you know, so so who tipped off the national guys? Was it the Arkansas yeah. side? Did they hear something? Was it the Alabama side? You know, it, it remains to be seen. You know, we probably never know. But um, it kind of adds to that robbery aspect a little bit when you think about
0: it like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Regardless, anytime you can get a guy from Devil's Lake, North Dakota, I think you, <laughs> I think you take that. guy. And with the mustache. Well, exactly. I mean, if there was ever a guy from Devils Lake, it's got to be the the sort of look I would think. So, even with uh, if you presume that that Nelson is is gonna be a part of this team, uh, still a spot for another big, right?
1: Yeah, they're at eleven if they get Nelson. So there's two spots. Um, I don't know if they'll fill both. You know, they went into the last season with twelve. Um, obviously that's coming off the heels of what will go down as the best recruiting class in program history. But um, I do think, though, that, yeah, they're still actively looking. And that could be, you know, again, via the transfer portal, there's some bigs out there. Um, you got to look at guys that are looking to, you know, possibly reclassify as well. So it could be a younger guy. But, you know, we've talked about it. You need bodies in that front court. Uh, it can't just be uh, Nick Pringle and, you know, if Grant Nelson does end up committing and then some young guys, you know, they need – then bodies not only for games, but for practice. And um, yeah. so yeah, we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, they've, they've got two spots available. I think they'll fill at least one. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. these guys are on campus. They're going through workouts. So they want to be able to fill those as quickly as possible.
0: Yeah, you'd like to have a guy that he, 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 if, it, if he gives you even what Pringle did last year in terms of, you can at least maybe go 8, 10, 12 minutes if you need them, and really just five more fouls that you can give yeah. in the front court. It uh, doesn't need to be a superstar. You know, If you get Nelson to go along with Pringle, you should be in pretty good shape. Uh, if you need a third guy or even a fourth, uh, those guys don't need to be big-time contributors in terms of points, even rebounds, just uh, guys that can cover for you, fill some, some time on the floor for this Alabama men's basketball team. Hey, let's shift gears, Charlie. Let's get into some football talk. Uh, it is running back week at BamaOnline.com. Kind of go positionally week by week here in the offseason. Uh, some running back discussion. Charlie uh, had some questions for the running back position here in the last day or so at BamaOnline.com. You can catch that there. He's got a great feature coming up in the next day or so that I'm sure we'll get into. Uh, but I'm going to start with a true or false for the Alabama running back position, Charlie. True or false, Alabama will have a 1,000-yard rusher for the fourth time in the last five years in 2023.
1: Oh, that's tough. Um, I, I want to say true just off the top, but then you got to think about how many mouths there are to feed. And you look at last year, you know, Jameer Gibbs was clearly the number one back, and he fell short of that. But he only got 151 attempts because he's splitting it with – Jace McClellan, who had 111. So um, I think with Jace, with Roy Dell, with Jam, and with Justice, and then oh, you add Richard Young to the mix as well. Um, it's kind of tough to 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 predict how much they're going to break up these carries. So if they say they distribute it pretty evenly between three guys, so that's kind of harking back to maybe 2018 when you had mm-hmm. Damian Harris and Najee Harris and, and Josh Jacobs. None of those guys had 1,000 yards, and that was a hell of a season offensively for Alabama. So I guess with now me kind of laying that out, I'd probably lean toward faults. But that's not necessarily an, an indication of you know a down year from, um, from this running back room. I think this can be a strength for this offense, given the depth uh, and the talent there. If it stays healthy, it, it certainly can be that. So I think it's more to do with the quality of – uh, or the quantity of quality backs
0: in that room, uh, more so than anything else. I'll go true barely, and that's anticipating probably Jace McClellan being that guy, if it happens. Mm-hmm. And then if it's not Jace, I might even go with Justice Haynes as the next most likely 1,000-yard rusher. Um, and and, and I'm not I'm not totally sold on that but I just think that between his all around ability uh, you know, that could get him involved. And we know injuries as we've seen in previous years, certainly can, can impact that. But I don't think they have to have a 1000 yard rusher per se to be what they want to be, not only as an offense, but as a football team. But I think if they do uh, it's going to help them uh, go a long way in, in that regard. So, As we talk about Justice Haynes and Jam Miller and Roydell Williams and some guys to go along with Jace McClellan at the running back position, here's another question for you, Charlie. More touches in 2023. Roydell Williams or Justice Haynes or Jam Miller? Of those three, who do you think ends up with the most touches this season?
1: I think you and I are in agreement that we love some Jam Miller. Uh, But I think if you just talk about touches – touching the football, I think I'd lean toward Justice Haynes because they're going to have to replace that receiving production from Jameer Gibbs. Now, I don't think there's a guy on the roster that is like Jameer Gibbs from that standpoint, because Jameer's a guy that you can move all over the field. He can play receiver. He can be your slot receiver if you need him to be. But um, I think Justice is a guy that, you know, Nick Saban uh, praised, multiple times during the spring but talked about him as a, as a pass catcher and I think that's something he's worked on um you know talking to some people he's trained with um you know over this really this, just in 2023 you know, that's something he's really focused on that pass protection I think if you're an Alabama fan and and you know how this uh, this offense works and how guys get on the field it has to be music to your ears so I think Justice is a guy that's going to see a lot of carries, but he can also be someone that factors into the passing game. Um, you know, I think Lloyd Dell's still kind of that short yardage guy. Um, you know, Jam Miller. It's going to be tough to keep him off the field, but I think Justice is is kind of ahead of him at this point. So I, I have to lean toward the true freshman because while I I like everybody that's in that room, I think they bring something different to the table. Um, you know, I think he has the most upside right now, and he's a guy that. While there's a lot of hype surrounding him, I think he's really backed it up with his play on the field and, and what he's been able to to do to impress these coaches.
0: I won't be surprised if it's any one of those three guys. If we look at it at the end of the season and say, oh, that's the one who ended up with the most touches. I was really impressed with Roydell in the A-Day game. He just seemed to be decisive, confident, you know, about 18 months now, a year and a half removed from that ACL injury. In 2021, uh, solid in pass protection, absolutely that's a non-negotiable for these guys. If you can't pick up a blitz uh, or you're not willing to pick up a blitz, you're just not going to play much. Well, all three of these guys in the 8A game, I thought, showed uh, an ability and a a willingness to do it. Just as Haynes, as a receiver, is amazingly polished for such a young player, I, I think. And you said it with Jam, I think he's made strides in that regard. Uh, I think they've got opportunities situationally. Uh, Roydell, with his decisiveness and strength and power, uh, that could certainly prove beneficial in short yardage and goal line. Um, quarterback's going to be involved in the run game, too, so you got to take that into account. That could take some touches away from some of these guys. But you talked about Jameer Gibbs, and what is that area that you think where he'll be missed the most? You talked about him as a rest- receiver is i i gotta think that's where it starts and you you also mentioned schematic versatility that he brought to the offense absolutely they were able to go with some two back personnel that was really still 11 because jameer you could utilize him like a wide receiver
1: yeah i think he is going to be missed as a receiver um but i also think where he might be missed even more is that home run ability um Mm -hmm. I mean, heck, just looking at what he's been able to do uh, early on in in his time with the Lions, I mean, the the clips you see of him, just his footwork and his explosiveness, just in little snippets, it just highlights what kind of player he was uh, at Alabama. And um, that just ability to take any handoff, regardless of where it is, Uh, the distance is is uh, something that was really big for this offense last year and while we saw some big plays from guys like Jace you know that that long touchdown round uh, long touchdown run at Texas is the first one that comes to mind these guys aren't doing that on a consistent enough basis like Jameer was I don't think there's a a back that is as fast as Jameer was so um, I think that even more so than the receiving element might be missed this season but that's they're not taking anything away from the receiver that Jameer was. He's an all-around player, whether as a running back, a receiver, a returner. He can do it all. But it's the fact that wherever he is in, on the field, whether you know in the backfield, split out wide, deep to return a kickoff, he's dangerous enough to take all those to the house. And uh, I think they're going to be lacking that a little bit. It's not the end of the world. Uh, we've seen – You know, how often was that discussion brought up with some of these backs before where they're getting tackled before getting to the end zone? It's not Mm -hmm. an end all be all, but uh, I think that explosive home run ability is maybe what they'll miss the most.
0: Absolutely. That's where I go. Alabama averaged a yard and a half more per carry in 2022 as compared to 2021 when Brian Robinson, of course, led that grinding attack two seasons ago. Now in 2021, Alabama averages 4.1 yards per carry. But all those sacks, right, of Bryce Young in 2021 kind of skewed that number. So you got to take that into account. You're right about Gibbs. I mean, he had eight scrimmage plays of 30 yards or more last season. Brian Robinson in 2021 in two more games, although Brian was beat up at times in the 2021 season. Yeah, he had three. He had three scrimmage yards or 30 yards or more. So, absolutely explosive plays. And there were also times where, you know, Jameer in the bowl game against the Sugar, against Kansas State in the Sugar Bowl, Alabama's offense did not get off to a dazzling start. It was a big third down. I think Bryce hits him on a little kind of circle route that Jameer turned into a huge play uh, to kind of kickstart the offense and that Sugar Bowl win. So, you know, but at the end of the day, you look at some of the numbers that, correlate to national championship teams for Alabama under Nick Saban, and they're not automatic always because, look, Alabama didn't win national championships in 2008, 2010, 2014, 16, and 18 in seasons in which they had 30 or more rushing touchdowns. Um, But they dang sure didn't win national championships when they were sub-30 in in, in touchdown rushing. Touchdowns: 2007, 13, 19, 21, 22. So, um, that's what I'll be interested in too. Just see if if Alabama can get, as we expect with the run game more centric to who this team is, uh, get into the end zone on a more consistent basis on the ground.
1: No doubt, yeah. And I think you have to take into account the quarterback position with that as well, uh, because whoever wins that job, I think they're going to be yeah, they're going to be a lot more design runs than there were for for Bryce Young. So. Um, that has to take into account there, but yeah, no doubt. Um, I I think with hearing from Nick Saban, from the offensive linemen, from the running backs this spring, there was kind of a joint message of being more physical up front. And when they're facing a third and three, having little to no doubt that they can pick that up. And that just hasn't been the case last couple of years. So while we're talking about the, the running backs, I think the approach from the offensive line and Eric Wolford will be important with that. You know, Tommy Mm -hmm. Reese coming in as offensive coordinator. So it's kind of, they're all working in conjunction to where I think that this run game can be uh, more effective. They can have more balance on offense. And then if that's the case, that's going to lead to more touchdowns because when they do have, you know, third and two um, or, you know, third and two at the, at the two, uh, it can be a situation where they're not, you know, kind of, sitting on their hands and thinking, oh, can we do this, this? That's just automatic. So I think that'll be be important for this team, and uh, that can lead to some more touchdowns.
0: Physicality. How much did we hear that in the Mm -hmm. spring? Boy, Mm -hmm. a lot. So we're talking about the identity of the football team. You open the season against Middle Tennessee. You get down there inside the 10, maybe first and goal at the 6. You need to be able to punch that in with your run game from the get-go, especially with Texas set to visit Tuscaloosa in week two. So there you go, some running back discussion. Charlie, I know you got some more great stuff coming for us as well there at BamaOnline.com throughout the week. And uh, well, just content-o-rama when it comes to Alabama at BamaOnline.com with the expanded staff, with the recruiting stuff that's going on. Um, So much to talk about, and the roundtable, of course. Uh, seems like it's taken on an even greater presence, Charlie, now as we've made the, the the transition over to on three,
1: yeah, no doubt the the subs have been active, and it's been good to see. And uh, you're right about content, man. I mean, now granted, the way the recruiting calendar has shifted, um you know June is no longer a quiet month for those recruiting guys., uh, but just to see the work that Joseph and Andrew and Tim have done. It it makes me feel like I'm not doing enough, so that's that's good. Like it's it's kind of that competition thing, and I know I have to sit back and think. You know, you know we have SEC media days coming up in a month, and then you know fall camp. I'll be um, you know pumping out stories left and right. So you know, just ease into it, and uh, the team the team content will come. We have plenty between me, you, and and Clinton, Jimmy. Uh, we've got plenty coming. Like you said, uh, I have a, a feature on a running back coming up later this week that I'm pretty excited about. And, uh, you know, we're going to continue to break down these position groups. We've been taking kind of weekly looks at different things that the the news desk has kind of suggested, which is always helpful this time of year. And, uh, you know, with with baseball, with basketball, there's been no shortage of news since the merger. And it's been it's been a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely. And again, so much more coming your way with us at bamaonline.com. dot com. Charlie, as always, man, I appreciate you taking the time.
1: Yeah, no problem, man. It's always good to catch up.
0: Charlie Potter checking in with us here on the Bama online podcast. You can find the Bama online podcast anywhere you subscribe to pods or listen to pods. If you would subscribe to this one, we'd greatly appreciate it. Leave us a rating and a review. That would help us out, and we would certainly thank you for that as well. Travis Ryer for Charlie Potter. Until next time, so long, everybody.